Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Draft Weekend is in full force, so it is time to unload the notebook with John Daigle and Hayden Winks. The reports, the rumblings, the rumors we've picked up over the last few days, weeks, feels like months. Let's reveal it all, gentlemen, in the hopes of one day, maybe in 24 hours, creating the best mock draft of all time. Daigle, <laughs> how are you feeling? I feel like that notebook grows larger every minute. <laughs> Not even hour. It just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, two things. One, I have no idea how long this show is going to go, Hayden. Uh, Correct. It could go on forever. We could get new news items as we go along. And second, I have no idea what you, Hayden, brought to show and tell today or, or Daigle. So I'm hoping to pick up even new information that you all have uncovered. Like we are basically showing all of the dot connecting that we have done in order to build our mocks for everyone out there to hopefully do the same for theirs, right? Yep, that's what I'm going to be doing. I just want to start it off, though. It feels like there's less exact reporting this year. So Mm. what I'm going to be digging into more than ever is going to be how good the player is on consensus boards, sticking to consensus boards a little bit. Team needs actually looking into the depth charts and all that stuff, contracts, when they can get out of players. Because I think that team needs and how good of players is kind of all what, what the draft's all about. And I think I'm going to be mostly fading some of the reports that we're getting and sticking back to the basics a little bit more than usual. Like that. Uh, I was on the phone until 1 a.m. last night just with a few people. And during that conversation, I get a text from my fiance telling me this is just basically men's gossip that you're doing. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it. there's a point to all of it, hopefully. And the point of it is... uh is today's show. I got one more thing for you, Josh. The good news is, since we've the Dolphins were trying to tamper with Tom Brady, your record is basically safe. And that's the only thing that matters here is we celebrate when you extend that record uh, without that last pick and without how the draft's supposed to go, you're looking pretty safe. No, we're breaking it this year. That's what we're doing. Um, Daigle, quickly, I think the best way to do this is to like talk through picks one through 10 and like take each pick as they come and then to go like through chunks of maybe like 11 through 20 and then 21 through 32 and kind of try to like fill in the gaps and bring in, you know, comments again and, and tweets and items from columns and all that type of stuff. Does that work for you? I believe that was the best way to do it last year when we did this mm-hmm. practice and it helped out a ton and the best way to do it certainly this year, given that, if a domino falls wrong in the first two, you're already out. You're done with the competition. So that's why it's important to talk about all these things. Okay, well, let's kick it off this way because this morning kicked off in a uh, fun exercise with some dude on Reddit named Sale Agreeable 2834 uh, Switch the odds. Let's put it that way, Daigle, from plus 4,000 to like plus 500 for Will Levis to be the number one overall pick. We don't have to talk about this, but I did want to bring up that people 
in totality, I think have the wrong perception of NFL draft odds where they believe the odds are set by the sports book because of information the sports book has when really the odds are set based on the money that is placed by people who believe they have the information. And we have seen things like Reddit move markets in the past, not just in betting, but also in stocks. Syndicates as well can put in a lot of money and move based on their groups. At the same time, I haven't heard of any syndicate moving this number. And this year's draft is emphasized further because five bucks is moving numbers extreme. And now everyone is suddenly like listening to a TV report and those who have not tried to handle this in the past, and it's moving even more extreme than past year. So this year is an anomaly. I think it's setting the, setting the stage for what will be NFL draft betting moving forward, which is not good in my opinion, but at the same time, yeah, I'm not putting too much weight into these numbers just because they're moving a lot right now. There's no reason to. They're low limits in their information markets, like reportedly information markets. So the people running these are going to be adjusting quickly. So that's what happens here. Second, secondly, I will confess this was me on Reddit posting this. <laughs> Caesars even said like the largest number they brought in was like an eight hundred and seventy five dollar bet. So these are like small numbers and a little note. To me, it's hilarious that uh, Sale Agreeable 2834, who apparently has his finger on the pulse of who is going number one, mm -hmm. uh, three hours in advance, wanted to talk about Barry Keegan uh, being replaced as Joker. You know, <laughs> we get that out of the way first and then reveal who the number one pick is going to be. All right. So we know first is going to be Bryce Young. Jake Laser even said it today on his hit on Dan Lebertard's show. So let's talk about number two. All right. Because Daigle... Will Levis remains the betting favorite for number two. Where do you stand on this? I haven't budged since last week because we do not have a, I would argue, single refutable source saying that Will Levis is the number two pick. I still believe it's down to only Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. And anyone who says it's a quarterback or Will Levis in particular usually just cites the fact that this ownership will step in and then pick a quarterback. That's not a source, first of all. And second, I think that's a logical since previously the owner has never stepped in this case and made the team make the right decision. So why would I suddenly want to change my mind on that's how this organization works? Uh, I keep on coming back to the fact that Will Anderson has the Alabama ties to both Nick Cesario and D'Amico Ryans, but it does seem like Lance Zierland, who I trust dearly with this information, does have Tyree Wilson, among some other people, having Tyree Wilson over Anderson as well. So right now I'm on Tyree Wilson, but genuinely I'm not factoring in a quarterback at number two for the Texans. Yeah, I think the Lance stuff was him saying at long odds that he kind of was just speculating, throwing this out there, and he was kind of going for a wild mock. So I'm with you guys. I don't think it's going to be Will Levis at two just because of some things that we've heard over here and because it just hasn't made sense. Like, this is going to be like me going back to the consensus boards. Like, Will Levis is 18th overall in consensus boards. I know quarterbacks get pushed up, but he's still the core quarterback four. And then even Tyree Wilson's the sixth player. Will Anderson's number one on the consensus boards. So throw in the connections. And then the other part of this, to me at least, is Will Anderson was supposed to be this guy forever. Like we knew about Will Anderson multiple years ago. He was highly productive. He played around the formation over there. And then Tyree Wilson is a senior from Texas Tech, not necessarily a powerhouse defensive program. He had seven sacks as, as the most, and he has a foot injury that at least Dr. Chow had some concerns with. So right now, I would be leaning with Will Anderson. I will be listening to the news. But right now, if I had to guess right now, it would be Will Anderson just because I'm going back to the basics. 
the Texans need edge rushers. This coaching staff loves edge rushers. And I think that the part about the quarterbacks and why the Texans could punt this thing off is a lot of these people are coming from, well, number one, uh, the 49ers who have been punting off quarterbacks for, for a while until they got to the Trey Lance discussion. That didn't go very well. So I think that they would be a little bit more comfortable than compared to other organizations about kind of punting quarterback and building it with the defense. And I think that Will Anderson is the consensus best player for a reason. Can we talk through, Daigle, why we trust Lance so much? Because we've been doing this for a very long time. Long time. And it, I've known Lance for like a decade at this point. Obviously, his dad was a coach in the league, not with the Texans, but Lance has made a home base with morning radio there for a very long time. And even if you just go back to last year, he nailed both of their first-round picks in Kenyon Green later on and Derek Stingley very early on. So I don't want to make every single one of these pick conversations, hey, go listen to this one person and only them. But I think Lance Zerline is very connected with just the inner workings of the Texans and people constantly question, well, why would they leak this to him? That's different. A long-standing relationship that you have with people in an organization doesn't mean they just are giving you smoke screens. It means you have like a legit relationship where you share information back and forth. And in doing this for so long, this time of the year always creeps up and I hate it so much because I just want to see my friends bet and have fun. I want them all to win money. But also a story of life is that it's so much easier to react than it is to stand your ground on an island and not move with the masses. And that's what this time of the year is. We've done it so often. And so it makes me feel better, at least by for my prognostication, that those who I respect the most who have been doing this the longest also have the most, most boring mocks with either Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, with Will Levis falling to number four. And so that's why right now I just feel really good about it at number two. I have one more note. Uh, Adam Schefter, this was kind of old news like a week ago or whatever, but I saw him screaming on TV that there was not going to be a quarterback here. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. the And obviously, Schefter is not undefeated. Nobody in the NFL drafts is undefeated with any of their takes. Lance Zierlein, anybody that's talking about this has their Some their are better L's. than others. Some are better than others, certainly. But, I mean, he was very adamant on TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that matters to me at least a little bit. Okay. Quickly, you did some dot connecting there with Nick Casario and obviously D'Amico Ryan's deep ties to Nick Saban. I will throw out that the position coach in terms of pass rushers did attend Texas Tech. So there are connections in that way as well. And I think what you said at the top, Hayden, where, hey, there's been a lot of not nonsense over the last two weeks, but at the top, it seemingly early on was Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So why is C.J. Stroud not in the conversation here? Again, we'll finish the Texans here at number two with Lance saying simply it won't be C.J. Stroud. And I have heard the exact same thing. All right. Fair enough. So not a quarterback, not Will Levis. For you, it's either Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. We have 24 hours to figure that out. All right. Pick three. Arizona Cardinals. Daigle, your read. This is when the head starts hurting because the big domino has to fall. If it is Will Anderson, I believe Tyree Wilson is higher on the Cardinals board than Paris Johnson or Christian Gonzalez. So maybe someone moves up to this position if the Raiders even want 50 or the Cardinals even want 50 cents on the dollar with the Raiders, with the Eagles. I don't know. It's a team trying to get it to number three. But honestly, overall, if Tyree Wilson goes number two, I think we really are questioning 
if the Cardinals are so down on Anderson that Paris Johnson suddenly becomes the pick. We've heard them mention Paris Johnson. They brought him in for a visit. We heard that Kyler Murray spoke of Paris Johnson personally, wanting him to be drafted at number three. It just makes a lot of sense that they would stay here and then basically build the future around their quarterback they just gave an extension to last offseason. So this is where I start getting confused, and I think you need to get it right from number two on. I have a different stance here. I saw those reports. But um, DJ Humphreys is their left tackle. I know he's been dealing with some injuries. He, for this year, is the fourth highest player on the board, and that's including some players that are on there. If you look at DJ Humphreys' contract, it's extremely hard for them to get out of this contract. He's on year two of it. Even if they cut him next year, which would have to be a disaster, they would be eating $13 million. DJ Humphreys is probably one of the most valuable players on their team. Comparatively, look at the Cardinals. This is the Cardinals' depth chart at cornerback. Have you heard of any of these players? Like, let's be honest here. We really haven't. And it's bad. The money, not a single player uh, in their cornerback depth chart is making over $2 million. I won't go and bore, with, bore you guys with it. But the edge rushers, the highest, is making $4 million. And if you go into next year, the cornerback group, there's one guy that's still on the, the, the roster. It's Marco Wilson, who's basically been, been picked apart for a lot of this. So I think that it wouldn't be Paris Johnson just based off the depth chart, especially because Paris Johnson sits a little bit lower on the consensus boards rather than these edge rushers. Some of these cornerbacks are up there as well, but I think that there are going to be looking to trade. And if the Texans do pass on the quarterback, the trade market goes up a little bit because I'm still going back to the basics where Bryce young and CJ Stroud had been one, two kind of the entire draft season. And then there was a little bit of a tier break. And that's what you see with consensus boards. That's what we saw with the initial reporting and a team might try to jump, the Colts, who we know are going to be drafting quarterback, and if they think that the Colts are going to draft C.J. Stroud, what happens if the Lions or the Raiders or the Titans or somebody else jumps up? So for me right now, I'm projecting the Cardinals to trade down if the if the ed, if the, an edge rusher goes to, and I would be I would guess it would be for a C.J. Stroud team, and if so, they'll be in the sweet spot where it's going to be Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson, Devin Witherspoon, one of those types there, and I just think that the depth chart kind of leans me away from offensive line, um, especially with the consensus boards kind of agreeing there. I'm buying more Paris Johnson than you are, Hayden. Mm -hmm. uh, but the number one thing I'm buying is that the Cardinals want to move out of this pick. And mm -hmm. I think that they would take pennies on the dollar to do it, if I'm using that phrase correctly. Now, what we know is that trades to get inside of the top 10 are very difficult to make. And we see these in mock drafts predicted over and over again. But just looking at the last four years, once the draft started, there were zero trades inside the top 10 last year. In 2021, there was only one, and it was the Eagles going from 12 to 10 to get Devontae Smith. From 2020, zero trades inside the top 10. And in 2019, there was only one trade inside the top 10 once the draft got started, and that was Devin Bush from the Steelers, 20 down to 10. Now, there have been some other moves, like the Dolphins ahead of time to go get Jalen Waddell, um, obviously Trey Lance going up to another three, the Panthers this year. But once Roger Goodell makes the first pick, it's very difficult to do. But I think if it does happen... Everyone's going to say, wow, the Cardinals, based on whatever chart you use, over the cap, JJ, whatever, they got fleeced. But I think the Cardinals are going to be okay with doing that. Uh, one final thing. I will drop a nuclear bomb of a big brain theory that I've had over the last 24 hours. Give it okay. to me. If Will Anderson is sitting here at pick number three, I could see a team moving up for him and not a quarterback. I would not be stunned if the Philadelphia Eagles move up from pick 10 to pick three to go get the number one edge rusher on their board, if he makes it past the Houston Texans, because they definitely have the draft capital to do it. It might take the one this year 
a second this year that's just like 62 and a second next year. And that might be all it takes. Would it scare you if they traded up for Jalen Carter? Or do you think they would trade up for Will Anderson? I think they'd trade up for Will Anderson ahead okay. of Jalen Carter. We'll get we'll get to the Eagles, but from a team that doesn't need a quarterback standpoint, who already brought back both of their corners, mm-hmm. I think for the longevity of their franchise, getting one of, and who even knows what they think of Tyree Wilson because of the foot injury, but it might be Will Anderson by far and away is the best player on their board. And like that could be the huge shakeup that makes Twitter melt that I could see it not being a trade up for a quarterback. It's just not shocking as well that the Cardinals could not find a deal if that happens on draft night when this draft is touted by a majority of the league as a poor draft. Like, why would teams trying to be trading up in a poor draft unless you are a team like the Eagles, Lions, with, you know, one of four teams with multiple first-round picks? That's my only concern, too, which is why I don't really even factor in trades this year. I, I, I think I think there is the counter to this would be if we go back to the initial report and a lot of the consensus rankings here is CJ Shroud has been ranked well ahead of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson by most people in the in the industry. So if one of these teams do, does agree that there is a big difference between these quarterbacks, you would have to get in front of the Colts sure. to make sure you would have to do that. So I, I wrote a real quick, I just wrote a qual, uh, column on Underdog Network. Uh, this was from a couple weeks ago, um, just ranking the partners on who can trade up for this third overall pick. And I had the Lions and the Raiders as the, t- the top options. Then the Colts obviously would make some sense. I'm not sure if the Seahawks would still do it. I do think that the Eagles would would be exploring a trade. I think that they would probably rather wait, see how far Jalen Carter falls, and then trade up for him just because the difference between trading up to three versus like trading up to like seven or eight uh, from 10 is pretty substantial. And there's a chance yeah. that Jalen Carter falls. And they definitely need Jalen Carter just as much as they would need Will Anderson. Yes, but... I would say Will Anderson is a cleaner prospect than Jalen Carter. Yes, this will be price adjusted. Like, just will, they will they will rank Will Anderson ahead of Jalen Carter. That's but, what I'm saying. But like, I think the difference in draft capital could be substantial. Again, we have seen Philly in the past be in positions near the top ten and mm-hmm. be aggressive in those spots mm-hmm. because to attack. I mean, Devontae Smith is a recent Perfect example. example. Yep. Moving up for Carson Wentz is another example, yep. right? And so I feel like this is just a moment that Howie doesn't sit back at number ten. Like yeah. he, I think he makes a move here to get a player who's supremely higher than everyone else on their board. Just one quick thing I want to throw out there because I love when we get completely random reports and uncle Tony Pauline uh, certainly allows us a few of those uh, from him latest. The Cardinals are getting calls from teams who want to move to number three and then take one of the offensive linemen did not hear which offensive tackle is being targeted. Dago, I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago saying, and this was before I think, everyone had a good feel for this draft that the tackles, the offensive linemen were going to go much earlier than expected. And the wide receivers are going to go much later. And I'm only in further and deeper in that belief. Now actually going through this for the last couple of days. I wrote my column yesterday, 10 thoughts about the NFL draft. And one of the headlines was at least seven offensive linemen will be drafted on night one. Uh, I think we could guarantee five. We'll get to all of them eventually, but there are four right now on the cusp of night one. So I think they're just hammered. We'll get back to offensive linemen in a second. Hey, now turn to you for number four and the Indianapolis Colts, because we know that the Carolina Panthers are taking a quarterback, and we know that the Indianapolis Colts are taking a quarterback, and those are the only two certainties we really have in this draft. So which quarterback is it? We've heard connections to C.J. Stroud initially to the Colts. We've heard uh, Anthony Richardson linked there as well. We've most recently and very adamantly have heard connections to Will Levis. 
this is one where I think that any of them could be the answers. I don't have any inf in, any inside information with any of this stuff. I'm going to go back to the consensus boards. Most likely, if CJ Stroud's still available in my mock draft, I think I'll slide him here. Um, I will say, I think I'm leaning Anthony Richardson over Will Levis, and this is kind of a contrarian take. I think that the right tail outcomes on Will Levis not being liked very much are pretty high uh, compared to where, where a lot of people have it. And Anthony Richardson, if you look at just kind of the coaching staff's history, obviously their new play caller comes from Philadelphia where Jalen Hurts and Anthony Richardson have a lot of similarities. And then even the uh, offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, I forget what it was, I tweeted it. Uh, he came from the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. And even before that was with Cam Newton. Obviously, lots of dual threat quarterbacks. I just think that this coaching staff is probably going to prioritize a lot of the dual threat abilities after having so much success with it with Philadelphia. And if you look back at the consensus boards, Anthony Richardson is well ahead of Will Levis. So I think one of my contrarian takes is I think I'll have Will Levis falling beyond this unless the latest rumors after this show um, kind of solidify that. I know that's kind of a contrarian take, but uh, I think that Anthony Richardson um, it has been more liked than people give him credit for. I brought... Kevin Bowen of 1070 Indianapolis ESPN on the podcast, the most accurate podcast. And he's covered the Colts for over a decade and asked him similar questions on last week's episode. And he kept coming back to the idea that under Ursay, the Colts have in history prioritized placement, ball placement and accuracy. But then he also said Levis is the highest quarterback on their board. And that's what makes me think if you prioritize accuracy, there was literally no one more accurate in this class than, than C.J. Stroud. Like Whether it was 10 to 19 yards immediate level of the field, whether it was 20 yards deep, uh, that was C.J. Stroud who leads this class completion rate. So I'm between Levis and Stroud. It seems even lazy to put Levis here, but right now that's where everything is pointing. So that's where I have it right now. This is just another inflection point, another pivot point for all these mocks. Now, mm -hmm. I went back and listened to this Ryan Rosillo podcast that had both Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah, and Todd McShay on it. And neither have heard like where Anthony Richardson uh, could be falling on draft day. Now, let's do some dot connecting here. Since it feels like the combine, everyone has solidified Will Levis to the Colts. So if everyone is of this certain mindset, maybe we that is the wrong decision. And the right decision is the statements of, well, where could Anthony Richardson go? And like the mystery beyond that. And so to me, when I get those, I look into in an uncertain NFL draft every single year, which are the foregone conclusions. And it feels like Will Levis is one of those. But like you guys have done, I think you can make the case for any of these three quarterbacks. I will say to your point, Daigle. Chris Ballard was a huge fan of Jordan Love. I have heard that through the grapevine over the last few years. And Jordan Love was incredibly inaccurate and a bit of a project okay. and needed time to sit. So I don't know if it's totally, hey, we need accuracy and, and that's it. Um, all we know is they're taking a quarterback. I will say last note here. This is just which teams have gone on official visits or met with them at the combine for like an, for a visit there. And if you look, obviously Bryce Young and CJ Stroud believe that they didn't have to go to as many visits as the other quarterbacks. We saw this with Jalen Carter, but CJ Stroud didn't go mess around, but will Levis and Anthony Richardson had to go talk to teams picking well into the 20s. So I think that their range of outcomes on a slide is much further than CJ Stroud, even though there's been a lot of FUD around CJ Stroud's game. But I, yeah, the Colts, I think that all three of them are in play. I've, I've heard connections literally to all of them. Um, so this is like one of those spots where I'm just going to go back to the consensus rankings. 
pick six, or excuse me, pick five, Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think Daigle, we can move on from quarterback away from the Seahawks unless really you, are, you tell me, where do you want to take this conversation? If Will Anderson's there, that's when I get a little bit confused because I think, again, that NFL, the people that make decisions, think it's a three-person draft between Bryce Young, Tyree Wilson, and Will Anderson. And so if he's here, I think the Seahawks and Lions are just waiting for everyone ahead of them to screw up and they just run to the board. But if he's not here, please tell me what you have in mind. Well, I think once we escape those top two and top four um, pick conversations, it Mm kind of starts getting into the Jalen Carter conversation and he is frequently mentioned as the player that could find his home in Seattle. I will say this Hayden, I think a lot of that buzz comes from outside the Seahawks organization looking at what they've done in the past either taking injured players or players that have gone through adversity or heck even troubled players that did not work out like Malik McDowell and just wish casting that like oh Jalen Carter makes sense to what John Schneider and Pete Carroll have done in the past and as you can see from all these things that our buddy Connor Allen put together there is zero consensus on if the Seahawks are actually in on Jalen Carter or if they're totally out yeah, I think that there's a decent chance uh, that one of the edge rushers is going to be there. So I right now I'm just going to mock whichever one is still available. Like right now for mine, it would just be Tyree Wilson because I think Will Anderson has a better chance of going earlier than that. Um, Jalen Carter, I think, is definitely in play. The quarterbacks, I think, are still somewhat in play. The reason why I'm leaning out slightly against quarterbacks relative to the other people around them is you just look at the contracts up to next year. Dead money if cut. Uh, Jared Goff is only $5 million. Jimmy G, it would be $11 million for the Raiders to get rid of them next offseason. Geno Smith, it would be $17 million. So if you're just looking at how these teams value each one of those quarterbacks who are kind of bridge quarterbacks, maybe a little bit above a typical bridge quarterback, uh, the Seahawks are more committed to Geno Smith. And I also think that the way that Pete Carroll's talked about this is they're trying to make Geno Smith kind of the face of the franchise right now. And he's 71 years old, so there's a little bit of a time element here too. And I also think the NFC is bad enough where maybe if he can hit on the correct defensive linemen that they can actually go make some noise in the NFC. So right now I'm on one of the edge rushers following just because I don't think that both edge rushers are going to be gone uh, by the time the Seahawks are on the clock. And I just think they'll take the best player between those two. Daigle. I may be giving them too much credit and that's where I struggle in this draft. Cause I'm not usually one to give the decision makers of the NFL credit at all, but with, forward-thinking franchises like the Lions and Seahawks in place here to take a quarterback of the future, knowing that they have bridge players in place. That's where I I actually question if they think that's the case or do they think knowing that their conference, the NFC, is so weak and ready for anyone to pounce. Do they Mm -hmm. think that, oh, we can get two day one starters with our two Thursday picks? And that's where I'm really struggling right now because given how Goff, as Hayden mentioned, and Geno Smith contract shake out, Honestly, they really are just one-year deals and prove yourself beyond that. Yeah, okay. Sometimes for these mock drafts, I like to think of worst-case scenarios for teams, even though that makes things difficult. Mm -hmm. I think the worst-case scenario for the Seahawks is this. Panthers take Bryce. Houston takes Will Anderson, or Tyree Wilson, okay? Uh, The Eagles trade up to number three for Will Anderson. The Colts take Anthony Richardson or whatever quarterback. And Seattle is not planning on taking a quarterback. So then what do they do there since both edge rushers are off the board? That, and what Jaylen if they don't Carter. like, but what if they don't like Jalen Carter? Like Jalen Carter's, yeah. his profile is either he's on your board or he's off your board. It's sure. it's kind of that simple. So like, and what if Jalen Carter's off the board? What do they do? 
That's so most likely it's edge rusher just for that reason. I know, I know, but yeah. what if both of them are gone? And then what do they do? I think the odds of that are fairly low. Fairly okay. low. Yeah. I, yeah. And I've had that same mental practice. And I keep it coming back to if they are stuck scrambling with their tail between their legs, they lean on quarterback, knowing they can get edge at 20. I know they have some preferred guys like Nolan Smith probably won't be there, but they like Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy, I think could very easily be there at 20 um, and let them pounce. But yeah, it just comes back to what they're thinking and what their third plan is basically. Yeah. There's no way they're doing those selfies that making that much noise and actually taking the quarterback. That's, That's what I'm with. That's fair. That's fair. I, they're going I, D I line think they're showing too rusher. much interest in quarterbacks that they actually don't have interest in it. Yeah. So again, to my point, I don't think they just fall back on a quarterback or because you go into a draft yeah. wanting to take the quarterback, you know? The, the ringers Danny Kelly pointed out to me that previously this organization didn't even visit the players they wanted. Like they literally just didn't tell anyone what they wanted then drafted those guys. So that would make sense. Drew Locke also make $4 million. And he's like a legit quarterback. Keep coming two. back to that. Yeah. Name the quarterback two for the lions. I'll shut up and listen. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's talk about, can we package pick six and pick seven a little bit here with the lions and the Raiders? Because yeah. it's either quarterback or it's cornerback. And it's kind of like those two spots. And look, maybe offensive line for the Raiders too. Maybe pass rusher and Jalen Carter people are mentioning for the Lions. But it's an interesting conversation here, Daigle, because again, to get back to it, the easiest part of mock drafting is to identify the teams that are 100% taking a quarterback. And we have two of those. But then we know two quarterbacks are going to any combination of the Texans, the Seahawks, the Lions, the Raiders, the Titans, and I'll throw in the Minnesota Vikings. Of Falcons. Maybe. So of that grouping, who was more likely to take a quarterback in your book, Daigle, the Lions or the Raiders? It's still the Lions for me uh, by far, knowing that the Patriots cronies all think alike. And so the fact that we got Casario, Michael Lombardi, jo- Josh McDaniels, all saying that they are down on CJ Stroud individually or what we've heard. I think that makes a lot of sense. Thus, if CJ Stroud's left over, I don't think the Raiders are interested at all. I believe they're hoping for one of the top two edges to fall or a cornerback. Whereas the Lions, again, forward-thinking organization, understanding they can get a cornerback at 18, I really think they take the quarterback here. That's where I'm leaning right now, anyhow. I've tried to find all the official visits. I was able to find one with the Lions and CJ Stroud. I was unable to find one with Levis and CJ Stroud. Do that with what you will. Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker also visited the Lions. I think that the Lions uh, probably would bet on Anthony Richardson's upside case if they are going to go with an inaccurate quarterback between Levis and um, Anthony Richardson. But I think isn't CJ Stroud like one of his like downside comps is Jared Goff. And if they can just get a five to $10 million version of Jared Goff, that would be an upgrade for the long term. So right now I have CJ Stroud with the Lions. I don't know if I'm going to have that with a trade up or just sitting pack here, but I'm with you guys. I think that contractually uh, and just there a little bit earlier in the draft that I think that they're more likely to go up. Dot connecting time. So over the last year plus, uh, a former GM has now been ingrained into the Detroit Lions front office. His name, John Dorsey. All right. Guess what happened in John Dorsey's final offseason and draft with the Kansas City Chiefs? They laid out the blueprint in Alex Smith's final year of his season and contract to go and trade up and get Patrick Mahomes. This is the perfect time 
for the Detroit Lions to make this move. Now, the question is this. I don't think they like just three quarterbacks other than Bryce Young in this draft. So, like, what if their guy is Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. you know, who sits for a year behind Jared Goff and Anthony Richardson is the number four pick to the Indianapolis Colts, you know? Like, would the Lions be aggressive and move up to number three? And I asked that by also bringing up this point. There were three teams that were interested in moving up to the number one pick when the Chicago Bears held it. The Carolina Panthers, the Houston Texans, and the Las Vegas Raiders, okay? At that time, the Panthers had two quarterbacks in mind, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and then the best guy win throughout the process. The Texans, it was Bryce Young. And it came out today, Jake Glazer at least said it offhandedly during his interview on Lebitard that the Raiders were going to move up for Bryce Young. Um, but a part of me still thinks that maybe C.J. Stroud is the pick there in Las Vegas as well. Anyways. So you think it'd be Richardson, Jen, Dors- Jen Dorsey's Patrick Mahomes is Anthony Richardson into your galaxy brand right now? Yes. Okay. So or, or, or it could just be a quarterback. But yeah, Anthony Richardson like was my one-to-one comp of sitting for a year and mm-hmm. then not starting him at all and then letting him develop and then play in 2024. And look, Jared Goff has even said this publicly. Contract extension requests from his side have been totally shut down in order to have flexibility for that team and the Detroit Lions. So we know now they can get out of it by saving $29 million at the end of this year. And that's like the, there's a reason why an extension has not happened at this moment. It's for flexibility for this pick. Yeah. I believe I am just much more confident than you that assuming Bryce Young goes number one, the Raiders would be out on quarterback. It just seems like, after giving Devontae Adams, trading for him, giving him this lucrative money, it just doesn't seem like something they would do to want to bring him along with a with a project quarterback when they have the players in place that they want. And like, I'm not even saying it's Stroud. good. Could that be Stroud? Like, could they be a team that theoretically moves up to number three overall with the Arizona Cardinals to take someone like C.J. Stroud? Perhaps. I, I don't think I'm putting any stock into it, but I can see it. I'm certainly not ruling it out entirely. My last notes, I've heard it both ways where that the Raiders uh, wanted a quarterback, but wanted one of the elite ones. And the other kind of next year, they're kind of out on. I've even seen Tony Pauline even mentioned that Hendon Hooker is their quarterback three. Um, so I don't know who quarterback two is in that point. I would guess it'd be CJ Stroud. Um, and the player that keeps being linked to the Raiders right now is Devin Witherspoon, who's obviously Lions background. Fun. Yeah, Lions and Raiders, I think, are both kind of battling for Devin Witherspoon here. I think right now, because we talked about the Lions contract, uh, I think I'm going to go Lions with the quarterback and then the Raiders taking Devin Witherspoon right now. There's been a lot of connections to that, and that makes sense. That's kind of where the consensus draft boards kind of have this mapped out as well. Should we move on? I think six and seven are basically a a swap pick, right? Like we can probably get the two players right, but which of those organizations take those two players is what we're really asking. I like that. I like that a lot. But if I had to rank the teams that are going to invest in quarterback in round Mm -hmm. one, I think it's going to be Carolina, Indianapolis, and then these two maybe at three and four ahead of Houston. I have a Detroit, and then I have a big list of Texans, Titans, Falcons, Vikings, perhaps. Like, there's there's a bunch of them. Well, talk about your Falcons stuff here at number eight, because for me, I have been buying the Kool-Aid that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith have been saying of, it's Desmond Ritter. It's Taylor Heineke. We're not in the quarterback sweepstakes. But an ounce of you seems like 
they are. Well, based off like Taylor Heineke's contracts, like legit quarterback two money, they've they've definitely flag planted Desmond. I think very, very most likely scenarios they don't take a quarterback. I just think that they're one of the teams they visited with a bunch of them. Uh they've actually visited with all of them except for Bryce Young. So I think they have some interest. They're, they are the team, though, that I can't figure out because they somewhat need cornerback help. And a lot of the, the insiders believe it will be a cornerback. I think they, they can use another guard where Peter Skaronsky would be in play. And if after they get rid of Jake Matthews, who has a couple more years left on his deal, he can potentially play left tackle. So I think Peter Skaronsky makes makes sense. I think either one of the edge rushers, if, if they fall, makes some sense. Jalen Carter, perhaps they can take a chance on. So I think that the Falcons board is really massive going to quarterbacks. Any of the defensive linemen, Bijan Robinson remains in play. But I also think that this is one of the teams that the Eagles can go trade up for. If Jalen Carter is still available at pick eight, and there's been a lot of links to Jalen Carter with the bears, wouldn't this be so much sense for the Eagles and the bear or the, the Eagles and the Falcons to swap picks because like we just mentioned the Falcons laundry list of players and team needs and stuff is very wide. And it's basically the same tier. If they drop a couple spots, plus the Falcons have less picks than the other teams uh, up here. So I, I think the Falcons, I'm kind of giving up on mocking them. They're just going to be kind of how the pieces fall Interesting. Uh, just because they have so many different options there. I really like that spot for Jalen Carter because to me, Dave, well, the two likeliest scenarios or outcomes for Jalen Carter are the Bears or the Eagles. If everyone were to stay put, I would be very confident. And again, like six and seven, a player swap in whatever order at eight and 10 between the Eagles and Falcons being Nolan Smith and Bijan Robinson in whatever order. But the Eagles trading up, knowing the Falcons can get their edge or Bijan at number 10 makes so much sense because Jalen Carter, as you mentioned earlier, uh, is a player I think they would swing the fences for knowing they have the extra capital. Uh, whereas then the Bears could just say, okay, we'll take Darnell Wright. If you take Jalen Carter, no big deal. And that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So over the last 24 hours, just your comment on Bijan, Daigle, mm-hmm. I heard two drastically different things. Okay. One I heard is that the Falcons have an astronomic grade on Bijan Robinson. Another thing I heard is that there's no way they're taking Bijan Robinson at number eight overall. One also I did hear, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Hayden, when they made the Jeffrey Okuda deal, I said typically this close to draft when a deal like that is made, it takes them out of the cornerback sweepstakes or that position. Uh, I want to retract that. Um, the thing is, if Jeffrey Okuda plays well, they basically cannot pay him. So I don't think that move precludes them from hmm. taking a corner in this spot as well. If like it lines up where Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon is the top of their board at this point. Yeah. I'm looking at this consensus board. I don't see a single player on this that they couldn't use or that's list that's not on their board. So I'm, I, I'm kind of giving up on the Falcons. I will say going back to our topic comment where, the offensive tackles might go a little bit earlier. I think that Peter Skaronsky could qualify for that. He can stick in the guard. Go look at the Falcons interior line. Obviously, they just paid Chris Lindstrom, who was a He's fantastic awesome. guard pick in this range that we're talking about and is now making, what, like eight figures, uh, nine figures, whatever it is. Um, I think Peter Skaronsky would make a lot of sense. And I just think that fix their upgrading over Tyler Algier versus their current guard situation. Give me their current guard is worse than Tyler, Tyler Algier. Pick nine. Chicago Bears. Daigle, you're close to home. What are the Bears going to do? This is the easiest Jalen Carter spot to me if he's still on the board. 
think that's what they're hoping for. I think that's why seven and a half over under is is the fairest number books can give, knowing that if he does slip past six, six, seven, then of course his range is eight to ten. I think the Bears are down to two players in Jalen Carter and John L. Wright. Those are their backup plans, believing that no matter what happens with Carter, if the Eagles leap us, then we have right right there waiting for us. We've already announced our starting left tackle, thus we have a need on the right side, and it's that simple, especially with an extreme athlete who can get upfield to the second level, and that's the way you should be building around Justin Fields, is athletic offensive lineman that can run to that next level and block for him in the running game. So I think those are the two players, and that's kind of where I stand based on if the Eagles move to eight. I know that they want Jalen Carter I'm not sure if they would trade up for him just based off of how many needs the rest of the roster has, and they're not in win-now mode necessarily. So I think that would be kind of adding a lot of risk, and that's why I think the Eagles would make a little bit more sense. They can get Jalen Carter in there. They have more of a support uh, support system in there. I think it's going to be Paris Johnson. I've heard Darnell Wright there as well. The starting left tackle that you're talking about uh, played well, but is also a fifth-rounder, has a little bit of position versatility. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at the consensus boards, Paris Johnson just like a tier or two above Darnell Wright and I wanted to get to this a little bit later but there was some speculation that Darnell Wright could be falling a little bit um, for character concerns obviously we've seen like some of the DM screenshots but there's been multiple reporters that talked about that obviously I have no idea if he actually is or not but uh, I think that Paris Johnson would make a ton of sense here talking about Skaronsky versus Paris Johnson Paris Johnson longer we saw that analytics cylinder that they talked about length was uh, included with that right. so I think that right now it's going to be Jalen Carter or Paris Johnson for me just overview i i would be shocked if paris johnson is not the first offensive lineman off the board i think Mm -hmm. the only curveball in that is the las vegas raiders taking peter scrons get number seven and that that's a potential pick but other than that other than that i think the uh, paris johnson will be the first offensive lineman off the board and yeah quickly in darnell Wright, he took a ton of visits and sometimes that means that teams want to get comfortable with you personality wise Yes. Um, or it can also be that they really like you, or it can be for an injury-related reason. You it, know, it could be because you sent DMs yelling at reporters and they need to <laughs> check on you. Yeah, of course. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles at number ten. I mentioned the long shot of them in my brain in order to melt Twitter, uh, trading up to number three overall. Let's open with this conversation because I know a lot of people in the comments might say this is the pick. I do not see Bijan Robinson being the selection at number 10 overall. Point blank period. At all. Ever. I agree with that. Dago doesn't. Dago doesn't, but that's fine. I don't think I do. I'm guessing you're leaning edge if they don't go Bijan. I just simply do not believe with a pick that the Eagles got via a trade and not because of their own doing when at a premier position and pillar position that they would spend a top 10 draft pick on a running back, no matter what the grade is period. Mm-hmm. It's a high grade. It's he's an explosive guy. I will, I will say know. we're still in the range where like most teams have what, like 11 to 15 first round grades in this draft. I still think that Bijan's going to be on every single one of them, but I think he's probably gonna be the last person on that first round grade. And I think that would include the Eagles. I just think that the chance of them trading up for one of the players we just talked about is high. They also are one of the teams that only has six draft picks this year. So I think that they can trade either directions. They can trade up because they are in a Super Bowl window and some of these premier players are right there and they can kind of hitch their wagon. They they don't have many roster spots left. Correct. Or all those players can go a little earlier than they want. And now they only have six picks and now we're going to trade down. So uh, right now I have a mock for, for Jalen Carter. I think that Peter Skronsky 
could make some sense at, at guard, perhaps. I think that one of the quarter cornerbacks falling could make some sense. But I think in a perfect world, they would get Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, or Jalen Carter. If not then, then I think that they would be exploring some trade-down options. Daigle, your silence is, is deafening. He how matches, he's not doing it, Daigle? You know how he's not doing this. Get out of here. Given all of the excess capital they have, I think he might. I think there's a real chance here. If not, I'll give you Nolan Smith or Lucas Van Ness, but I don't think I can budge off of those three players. That's it. Yeah, so I, here's worst-case scenario since I did this earlier with the Seattle Seahawks. Here it mm-hmm. is at number 10 for the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? What if Will Anderson... Tyree Wilson, Devin Weatherspoon, and Jalen Carter are all off the board. What do they do? You know, trade um, down. what if they can't trade down? You know, who do they take at number 10? Would it, it would have to be someone of Christian Gonzalez, Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness, and my buddy Bo Wolf, who does a great job with his own little humor, uh, connecting things to the Philadelphia Eagles has repeatedly mentioned offensive line here, which they plan in advance, years in advance. Good teams do this, not just this year's need, but future needs. And offensive line, we know that, uh, excuse me, Jason Kelsey is going to retire probably after this season. They move over the guard, who's probably going to play there this year, over to center. Anyways, moving pieces, this number 10 overall pick, you might get the number two offensive lineman on your board if that's Skaronsky or Paris Johnson, so on and so forth. I love Skaronsky here too, uh, just because it would be him versus Cam Jurgens for the guard spot, and then the loser of that would be the the depth that they always talk about. Then Cam Jurgens goes to center. Then Peter Skaronsky would have a spot there. Also, if Lane Johnson gets injured, there's a chance that uh, Skaronsky can go kick out there. Left tackle they move on from. That he can go be my lot of insurance. There's a lot of ways where I think that he would get on the field plus insurance. And Joe Banner, he did a mock draft. Uh, and he was the president of the Eagles. Uh, he might have a clue about what they're doing. He said, do not uh, overlook the offensive line there. And this is right where Peter Skaronsky goes. So I think they're hoping for one of the, the defensive linemen. Yeah. If not, then trade down. And if they can't do that, I think that would be Peter Skaronsky. All right. In 45 minutes, we went through the top 10. Light work. That's pretty good. Light pretty work. Pretty good, honestly. All right. For all of you watching right now, we're still going to keep going. But 650 of you. You better be subscribed to this freaking channel. Go hit that subscribe button, the notification bell. After we are done here, we have 20 plus prospect profiles, rookie reports that range from seven minutes long to 20 minutes long. Go and watch a handful of those for 45 minutes after we're done. And we'll be live streaming here. Night one of the NFL draft. We'll announce it right now. It's me and Hayden. It's Tyler. It's Coley from the true weather show as well. The connection the collab that uh, everyone was hoping for, you'll have it for night one of the NFL draft. Okay. Tennessee Titans at 11. Raise your hand if you think this is a quarterback landing spot. Tell me why. I They've been visiting with them, first of all. They have a huge need. I think that they Ryan Tannehill is definitely a trade option for them. They can save $17 million. If there's a quarterback injury, they can move on. I also think there's an okay chance that either Will Anderson or uh, Will Le- Will Levis or Anthony Richardson falls, and this would be one of the teams I think that would be kind of in play. I don't think that Rand Carthon wants to trade up for future picks just because there's a couple of reasons. One, that's a lot of risk that you're taking on. We just saw how that hasn't worked out with the Trey Lance. Also, they only have a couple picks here. So I think that they've been doing their due diligence 
on them. I don't see them moving up, but if one of them falls into their laps, and also you can kind of make some comparisons of Will Levis to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we know that they want to run the ball. Both of those guys can do it. So I think there's a chance that they can do this. I've also linked uh, Peter Skaronsky to them where they can basically have Andre Dillard and Skaronsky battle things out between left guard and left tackle. Uh, it's been weird to see the Titans be really bad in the trenches. So I think that Peter Skaronsky, uh, actual tackle like Paris Johnson or a quarterback makes the most sense. I do not believe they have the capital to move up three picks in the first 146. You, you would then also have the league's highest cap it of any player with Ryan Tannehill to move on from as well. I don't think quarterback makes a lot of sense here with what they have. Instead, they should be looking for Ben Jones or Taylor Luan's replacement on the offensive line. So that's where I have them penciled in right now. Now, who that is, that's when we start arguing. Beat writers have also mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Does that make sense to either of you? It does. Um, obviously, Rabel knows the Ohio State guys very yep. well as well, so that, that does make some sense. I feel like if they both just ran Carthon and Rabel, they seem like they would want to get the offensive line. Like Offensive line and, and receiver are equally as bad. Like the, Both of them are just terrible. So I think that they would rather secure the linemen here. Um, Peter Skaronsky, kind of a tier above JSN in the consensus rankings. I'm not ruling it out. The Titans are one of these teams that can do anything. I think Skaronsky, JSN, or quarterbacks is the most likely outcome, though. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. The Texans are most often linked to a trade for Trey Lance. I might put the Titans ahead of them in that likelihood with Rancard. Also makes sense. Yeah. Why not? Three day two picks for the Texans, including number 33 overall. So they absolutely have the capital to move for Trey Lance if that's the reason they go for it. Quick rewind. I know I mentioned it's difficult to trade into the top 10, but that's what we have seen is the 10th overall pick be on sale, as we talked about. Of any of these teams from 11 to 31, who do you both think, and I'll give you a moment, is the most likely to trade up into that number 10 spot. Uh, I'll go first. Peter King mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers as a potential. He associated Jalen Carter with them. I do not think Jalen Carter would be the target. I think an offensive tackle a la Paris Johnson would be the target. I think that makes as there's as likely of a chance that it's for a non quarterback than it is for a quarterback. So whichever one falls, I just, there's not that many quarterbacks. You mean just in general, not the Steelers, but just in general, yes. team moving up to the number Steelers. If, if it's an offensive tackle, if it's Jalen Carter falls for some reason, something weird happens in the draft is one of the corners falls a little bit. I can see a team sliding up with the Titans. 
uh, or the Eagles. Both both of them don't have as many picks as others. So I think that's a possibility. I just I'm not sure if there's a team that's screaming quarterback that's going to go trade up. Uh, the Vikings are kind of struggling with their draft picks. Uh, I'm not sure if these if the NFL kind of views these quarterbacks as like worthy of a trade up either. Buzz, me, I heard. You go ahead, Daigle. Go. I was going to say for me it would be the Patriots, uh, the Packers maybe didn't leap purposely in that pick swap with the Jets, but the leap does give them the edge over Jackson Smith and Jigba over the Patriots yeah. who have been linked in heavily. A quick move up would allow the Patriots to leap back over, or if there's any rumors to trading up to two or three for a quarterback, even number one overall, they've been rumored to. If oh, a quarterback wow. were to fall, that would be the spot. So I think the Patriots would be the top candidate. It, it is interesting that 13, 14, and 15, Changed. all three of them in Green Bay, New England, and now the Jets – Overlap in a lot of their needs. Yes. So for the first two in Green Bay and New England, they've both been linked to JSN. Obviously, for all three, edge rusher is one. And all three, offensive tackle, you can make a case for as well. So that subtle move of going from 15 to 13 in the Aaron Rodgers deal for Green Bay, I think is low-key shrewd because mm -hmm. they either have their preference of edge rushers in that grouping, whether it be Lucas Van Ness or Nolan Smith ahead of New England, or a tackle, or like we said, JSN. And then for New England, they get what's left over of either one of those groupings, and then the Jets are uh, in third place of that now. Yeah, right now in my mock draft, I have JSN with the Packers, Broderick Jones, uh, the offensive tackle to the Patriots, and then Nolan Smith, a defense alignment for the Jets there. And I agree, all that overlapping. Did, have we talked about the Texans at 12 yet? Are we no, let, 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 let's talk about that because... Um, so much focus on pick two. Let's say Will Levis is still on the board at number 12. Do you pass on him a number two and take him at 12? Is that a potential? You know, it's, it's almost I think like it's, I think, I think there is a chance. Okay. But I, I think there is a chance just because of the context. I know that's typically not how this works, but typically it's it's not like two and 12. And it's typically not a team that comes from the 49ers who kind of are all by themselves here. And so I don't know. You know, it's possible. We have seen that before with uh, with Johnny Manziel and the Cleveland Browns. I believe they went Justin Gilbert with their first pick and then got Johnny with their second first-round selection. And that's a perfect example. The Texans are one of these bad organizations like the Browns were at the time <laughs> that can really just F this whole thing up. Right now in my mock draft, I have Will Anderson, which I don't think necessarily is like a bad pick. I, I would take a swing on one of the quarterbacks personally. And then I have B. John Robinson at pick 12. I This was kind of the tier where we start getting into there's no more first-round grades. B. John Robinson would make a ton of sense uh, just talking about, uh, the obviously, the Texas uh home field uh right there put some butts and seats if you're not going to do it with the quarterback do it with the star of the entire state over there so i think that Bijan to the 12 uh makes some sense too and manzilla of course only drafted by the browns because stephen jones ripped the card out of jerry jones hands that night for zach martin instead oh how smart pretty good <laughs> yeah pretty good um since you mentioned Bijan's name maybe we shouldn't go pick by pick here anymore but daigle give me the teams that you think are possible Bijan teams and exclude the Philadelphia Eagles from your brain. Atlanta Texans stops there stops at 12. You think, you think there is no way that Bijan gets beyond 12. So Washington at 16, not in the running Detroit at 18, not in the running LA chargers at 21. Nope. No chance. I'm not even pretending like it's a factor. No, I, the Texans have been linked to Bijan as well. And thus, if they go edge, their quarterback isn't there. Figure out a deal for Trey Lance. Figure out a way to move those two 
three day two picks instead to move up for Hendon Hooker, I think Bijan is absolutely open for at number 12. Yes. My three most likely teams would be the Texans, the Commanders. I think the Commanders is like a pretty safe floor for him at 16. And I guess I would go Falcons. Um, that would be that would be too early. I think it's Texans and Commanders would be my top two. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So if we went through the second Texans first round pick, we should also talk about the second Lions first round pick as well. Mm-hmm. How different do you see those needs? Is it? hey, they're in a sweet spot for either corner at number six. And if they take the corner at number six, then who knows if they take at 18. But I think there's almost a second pocket of corners when they're picking there at 18. So if they're in the running for whatever quarterback at number six, then you can get that Emmanuel Forbes, Deontay Banks, yep. whoever you want at number 18. I know there's some other teams like the Steelers and Washington and a few other in those areas that also need corner. But again, that's a nice pocket, I think, for that position. I think all three of them are like kind of physical man corners, which is obviously kind of links up with what their defense runs most importantly, but also kind of the vibes that Dan Campbell looks for. So that's another reason why I think quarterback and then to corner makes some sense here at 18. Uh, I can also see like the the inverse where it's like, maybe this is if one of the quarterbacks falls and they drafted a corner early and then quarterback. But I think the lions are in a good spot here. Kind of take best player available right now. Like Deontay banks, for example, would make a lot of sense to me. Lions. If they don't, get Devin Weatherspoon. I assume it's going to be a corner here. Having said that, the great Scott Smith, uh, who's always one of the most accurate mockers in the nation, he's mentioned that they've done a lot of work on interior players, uh, Osiris Torrance and Steve Avila included. So I think there's a real chance they leap the board for an interior lineman, honestly. I have takes about the interior offensive line class. This is not a certain T, but I plugged all of them into kind of just my model just based off of where they're going. And mm-hmm. if, if one of these offensive uh, interior offensive linemen go, any of them pick Titman, Osiris, it would be the worst interior offensive lineman to go according to my model. And there's been like what 25, 30 of them in like the last like 15, 20 years. Like these are typically not the profiles when it comes to the athleticism age, how good they were in, in college. Um, so I think this would be fairly early for the Lions and the Lions have a lot of picks on day two. So I think that it does make sense, but I think more likely on day two. I'll push back a little bit on Torrance. I do think his athletic profile was came out bad, but I think he's very young, like 20 or 21. I, I, I think he's tw- let me make sure. I think he's 23. And that's what surprised me. He, oh, came out, he? he was like 80. I thought he was out. younger, too. I thought he was uh, young. Let me let me go double check this. I'll, I'll, I'll fact check. OK, um, just quickly. Jeff Risden does a great job and has for a very long time with the Detroit Lions. One of my favorite things when going through uh, mock drafting is to find the people, the fanatics that have followed teams for like 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Jeff is one of those for the Lions. Joe Goodberry is that for the Bengals. Justice is that for the Green Bay Packers. I can keep making a list over and over and over again. Anyways, he mentions Van Ness. That would totally make sense. Bijan. Offensive lineman like Torrance, uh, who they rate very high. I'm not making like the one-to-one comparison here, but I do feel like what I've heard is teams just don't want to whiff in this year's first round. Okay. And as we talked about, and we've mentioned other shows with Bijan, that his talent grade might just be superior to others on the board at some spot. So it's just inevitable for him to go in the teens or earlier, as you guys are saying. I think that might be the case with some of these guards as well um that they're just talent grade is higher and the interior is deemed safer i believe 23 on there interesting 
I, be- I believe they have, he turned 23 in January. So at least be 23 throughout his rookie year. That's still old. Most it, it's very, because of the positional value, it takes like Tyler Linderbaum was a freak athlete played center and yeah. was like on the younger side. Osiris Torrance doesn't click all of those. So I, I, I think I, I initially wanted him in there, but I'm getting some skeptics from it. Hayden is too young for uh Danny Watkins. If that name rings a bell for anyone, he was a 26 year old, I believe fireman coming out of Baylor who the Eagles drafted in round one. Hayden Hooker Hayden is a 35 year old quarterback coming out of Tennessee. <laughs> you should look into him. Uh, I believe if they don't go Witherspoon at six though, and are looking at cornerback, I think they've done enough work to sort of show us they prefer Emmanuel Forbes to Deontay Banks. So that's a flag plant. I'll lean on. Interesting. The the Banks, Forbes, Porter rankings that I'm yeah. trying to sift through are different for a variety of mm-hmm. teams. Um, and I wouldn't just assume that the Steelers have Porter ranked above everyone else in that group. Like, I don't know if Seattle will get around to a cornerback at 20, but we know historically they only draft cornerbacks with length. And Joey Porter's arm size is literally the fifth longest yeah. since 1999. Like he's a very long wingspan dude. They would target Josh. The only player worse than Osiris Taurus that could go round one was Danny Watkins, according to my model. <laughs> shout out, shout out me. <laughs> That's the my only thing I've heard of him though. Never doubt the freaking model. Um, okay. Where should we go from here? I mean, Tampa Bay at 19 is intriguing. Um, they have to have a left tackle. And they're kind of, again, in this bracket of potential left tackles. Um, you know me. Oh, quick thing I want to mention on Torrance. I know what your model says, but even yesterday, you could get him odds of being a first-round pick at minus 190. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned if Osiris Torrance is not one of the top 31 picks in the NFL draft based on what I picked up on. The other name that Hayden knows that I threw out there a couple weeks ago was Anton Harrison. And now he is locked in to the round one. Um, back then, you can get him at plus odds. And now he's like minus 400 to be drafted in round one. I mentioned five guaranteed offensive linemen in the first round. I include Anton Harrison. I don't think twice about it. 17 to the Steelers and 19 to the Bucks is where the, the party starts. Just to throw out some of those names since uh, Tom Palacero is reading off my notes with some <laughs> players who could be shock round one picks. Um Anton Harrison is number one on that list. Matthew Bergeron is a name that I've floated out there as well. I know a team has a first round grade on him. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Trenton Simpson, the Clemson linebacker. I think he's getting, um, oh gosh, the name just escaped me. Anthony Barr comparisons. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, duh. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes could be drafting the teens. Um, DJ Turner, another cornerback from Michigan, uh, even though Steve Smith said that they had no first round corners. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brian Brassay, uh, a Clemson defensive tackle, who I would say more often than not is mocked in the first round. Uh, and I'm almost leaning that he's not going to be a first round select. I prioritize Mazzy Smith over him just for yep. Smith's athleticism, perhaps catching eyes in the back into the first round over Breezy's. The, the model likes Mazzy over Breezy. Yeah, let's do some of that dot connecting because let's say the Buffalo Bills at 27, who Daniel Jeremiah has mentioned we're going to make a big splash this weekend. I could take that two ways. I could say, hey, the big splash could be trading for DeAndre Hopkins. I could also see the big splash being moving up for an offensive weapon. Um, If the move is for DeAndre Hopkins, it's not going to take their number 27 overall pick. And something I keep coming back to uh, is 
they have no defensive lineman under contract after this year. And they've kind of been two sizes along that defensive tackle front. Ed Oliver is the small side, and some might relate that to Kalijah Kansi. Then you have like the Tim Settles, the Jordan Phillips of the world, who are massive humans like Mozzie Smith. I lean more the Mozzie Smith area with Sean McDermott now calling this defense like he had with Star Lutulale and Kawan Short in Carolina. And Mozzie over Kalijah Kansi, correct? That, that, that's how I would lean. Okay, same. My Bills notes, they're most... Obvious need is linebacker. Now, that's obviously not a position of value, and there's not consensus round one linebackers. If it is, Jack Campbell has been working out with Luke Keekley. Obviously, Luke Keekley is with his staff. He's very athletic. He would kind of fit that Tremaine Edmonds role. I think that Jack Campbell is like a long shot to kind of go to the Bills here. I think that wide receiver three is vastly important to them. The Bills front office and coaching staff was talking about yards after catchability as being a big uh, thing that they're looking for this year because Gabe Davis doesn't really necessarily bring that. Um, and I think Zay Flowers and Quinton Johnson would kind of check that box, even Jordan Addison. So I think that one of the wide receivers would make some sense. But I'm with Josh. I do think there's a chance that DeAndre Hopkins goes here. And I think that would require like a third or fourth round pick only. So I think they'll probably wait to see who's available. And then if they'd strike out on one of the wide receivers, then I think they can call the Cardinals for one of those spots. So defensive line, linebacker, Jack Campbell specifically, or wide receiver would be my top priorities for them. Can we talk about these pass catchers and where they might go? Um, let's first start with tight end. Actually, uh, there's been a lot of rumblings of Michael Mayer to the Cowboys and how that's the latest he is going to stay on the board. Uh, Daigle going through these exercises with you. Does that sound about right? I can't imagine. I cannot imagine he gets past the Cowboys and I know everyone thinks it's lazy that, Oh, Dalton Schultz is gone. So why would they suddenly go tight end? But it's just an entirely different offense now under, uh, Mike McCarthy, and it just makes so much sense then that they plug away with Mayer in the first round and then get the wide receiver they keep on bringing in for visits in the second round. So that's certainly where I have Mayer. Beyond that, though, is when it gets really tough because we got the late news about Darnell Washington's medicals being flunked by some teams reportedly, Sam Laporta also being pushed down boards for poor medicals by some teams that are worried about him now too. And so when I thought initially – we are getting guaranteed at least three tight ends in the first round. I, I'm questioning even Dalton Kincaid sometimes when I look back at it because Lance Zeneron has also mentioned Dalton Kincaid's medicals perhaps being something. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, of course, has yet to move off Kincaid, his number nine overall player on his yeah. big board. So it, it's it's really tough outside of Mayer to fit them in. Question for you. If Michael Mayer goes off the board earlier to, let's say, like the Chargers, yeah. Could you see the Cowboys being interested in Dawson Kincaid, or is that just not the profile that they would go for at that tight end spot? You know, because they are, I'm not going to say wholly different, like it's made out to be, but they do play the game slightly differently. Oh, definitely. Especially since Kincaid, I think, is more of a receiver, even though he still blocks fine. He doesn't give up. Yeah. Uh, I think they would lean wide receiver, actually, though. There's enough interest there over Kincaid if that's the case it seems they seem to be really really high high on Mayer as an every down tight end despite the fact I I do think Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot are really good players for the capital they gave them last year but it doesn't seem like they're interested long-term plans right now I have Kincaid mocked to the Cowboys but I think the tight end chalk is so 
heavy with the Cowboys there. And I'm fading the wide receivers. I'm, I'm leaning like there's like an offensive lineman, perhaps, or a defensive lineman, Ryan Branch, perhaps, somebody like that that could kind of sneak in here. I think the Michael Mayer range is starts with 13 to the Packers, which now I think is fairly unlikely because that's really high for a tight end and goes down to the Cowboys at 26. Some teams that I highlight, the Chargers, like you mentioned, makes a lot of sense for Michael Mayer. Uh, I think the Commanders at 16th overall, this kind of be the discussion where is he, does he have a round one grade? If so, he can be the last remaining round one grade. Obviously, uh, Eric Bieniemy played with Travis Kelsey. Michael Mayer is not the inline guy that people think he is. He actually no. wins detached way yep. more than people think. He actually runs a lot of the Travis Kelsey routes, not nearly as good or athletic as Kelsey, but you can kind of see some of the comparisons and I think the commanders would make some sense as well. They'd want to throw this because Brian brought us as one of those guys that when he speaks Cowboys, you mm-hmm. listen, Drew Sanders is a linebacker. He's the one actually who's more compared to Anthony Barr, I believe um, is one of the four names Dallas is targeting at 26 right now. You can get that like 18 to one or 14 to one in some spots for their first pick to be a linebacker. So if you're still looking for a long shot this late in the draft process, that might be one. My only hesitation with that is if he's one of four names, I would bet Drew Sanders is like four of four on the yeah. list. And I think they have cornerback over Drew Sanders because I'm not sure they want to pay Trevon Diggs long-term after this year. I think Brian Branch is the, the sneaky guy if he makes it this far. Brian Branch is often mocked to the Jaguars. Um, my comment that I'll just let settle is I think the Jaguar selection might shock some people. All right, let's now go <laughs> on over. Uh, we skip past the Minnesota Vikings. Low-key, let's say one of these quarterbacks falls. The Vikings, not Will Levis. The Vikings could be incredibly interested. Um, I think that they are a legit dark horse team because there is no way that Kirk Cousins is their starting quarterback in 2024. And you do your best to make the transition start now rather than waiting until you have to later on. That would be Anthony Richardson, basically, is the only option there, or Hendon Hooker. What if Stroud drops? Based off of what this- I know, I know you don't believe it, but sure. there are other people uh, suggesting that Stroud might be dropping. Like, what if Stroud makes sure. it past Tennessee and Houston at 11 and 12? Then I think things get interesting. I'm not ruling out anything with this draft. I would view that as one of the most unlikely scenarios to me, just based off of who he, who he was visiting, how teams were thinking about them. The S2 test, not everyone believes in it. Even the teams that do buy into it, it's only been around for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think CJ Stroud, if he falls, I think it would be closer to like seven or eight, not like down to 23. And then the Vikings are in a tough spot because they don't have that much draft capital. So I think Anthony Richardson falling a little bit would help. I think that this is like where the Hendon Hooker conversation kind of starts most realistically. It'd be kind of in this 23 down to like what 60th overall range. To be in this position after you sunk a third rounder into Kellen Mond just two years ago, too, is it's crazy. Well, that's di- different people. I different know people we're moving on. Uh yeah, I, I like Hayden, I, I just can't wrap my head around a quarterback dipping this far understanding even and they the have poor, no draft capital this season by the way to move up that yeah, even nothing. in a poor class like the nfl just doesn't view quarterbacks like that like they don't let okay, them fall but but here, here's my question again i think one of these quarterbacks is going to make it past houston at number 12 okay. you know like so where does will levis go after that you know where does cj stroud go after that where does anthony richardson Mm-hmm. go after that the Bucks and the vikings would be like small trade-up teams but i think it would require like a small trade-up uh to me the vikings i think that they can kind of play this where like they 
would rather have a quarterback of the future right now, but they also can just get a wide receiver or a corner. And they, I mean, Brian Flores got to be begging for some cornerback help to play his defense. And they just got rid of Adam Thielen. They definitely need another wide receiver as well. So, and I think that this, that's kind of a good spot for Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes and Joey Porter, Brian branch, perhaps as well, kind of in this kind of range. If they stick there, I also think the Vikings could be a trade down candidate as well, just because they don't have that many picks. We didn't talk about the wide receivers after JSN. Uh, Dig, I'm going to list a few spots, and you tell me if wide receiver makes sense to them. Okay, yeah. Seattle, Los Angeles Chargers, mm-hmm. Giants, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have you done any dot connecting of that group? Any favorites of that grouping with a certain wide receiver? I know all of us on separate shows have harped about Jordan Addison, the Chargers. I'm a firm belief that's where he lands over tight end. If Michael Mayer is not there for the Cowboys, I think Zay Flowers would be the first choice on their board at wide receiver. Uh, maybe you have a little bit of hometown connection with Quentin Johnson, but also given what the Giants have at wide receiver right now, and maybe they do go offensive lineman, it seems like Quentin Johnson is at least, and I know he doesn't play this way. I know he doesn't play big, uh, but it seems like at least being that size is Dave still a, too smart. It's Dave still a different. Too smart to take Quentin Johnson. I don't know because just just by how he's built is totally different than the five slot receivers they have on their roster right now. I think yeah. that's where I lean for him. Over uh, the Cowboys, they've just traded for Brandon Cooks. They paid Michael Gallup all this money and Jalen Tolbert round three. I mean, like how many <laughs> forget that that, that was wasted. I, I <laughs> even they're done with Jalen Tolbert. Right, but I mean, they are not done with Stevie Lamb, Michael Gallup, or Brandon right. Cooks. I think that's plenty enough of a wide receiver. So I would that would be like one of the the kind of shocks if it went that that route. I obviously the Jordan Addison connection. If you guys haven't heard this one, it, it, he originally committed to Maryland, and then that wide receiver coach that was recruiting him, the, the Maryland program went to the shitter. He ends up taking a job with Pitt. That that's when Jordan Addison transfer decommits and recommits to Pitt. Then once that wide receiver coach and Kenny Pickett are gone to the NFL. He transfers to USC. That wide receiver coach is now with the Chargers. So obviously team team needs wise, that would make some sense. I think that Michael Mayer makes a little bit more sense for the Chargers personally, just based off of upgrading uh, Gerald Everett. And he's got a, a little bit more uh, scheme. I feel through. like they need verticality. Um, yes. Like they really need verticality. Yes, but you can get cheap verticality later. Um, they haven't. I mean, they, they've tried. They've tried. Barely. <laughs> um, they, they, they re-signed Jalen Guyton. Does that do anything for you? They, there are some fans of Zay Flowers in the Chargers draft room. Um, I like the Seahawks to get a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I really like Zay Flowers to the Seahawks. Uh, it, it, it's it a need. Is, is one that stands out to me. Um, okay. Josh, real quick, is there a reason why you like Zay Flowers to the Seahawks over Jordan Addison? Yeah. Um, the Seahawks, and it kind of goes back to D. Eskridge. In a way, oh, a guy who's like really good with the ball in his hands and is explosive. And like D. Eskridge was just old and not good. And FCS, um, yeah. Zay is better at doing that than I think Jordan Addison is. I will say. And he plays bigger, I think, than himself sure. than Jordan Addison does. And, you know, with Marquis good. The thing with the Seahawks, and we've talked about this before, they need a wide receiver three that they used heavily last year. And they literally have not replaced him on the roster in Marquis yep. good uh we've talked about this before i'm sorry there's a bunch of zay flowers fans in here 
this profile usually doesn't go first round. I'm just, I'm He's just throwing that out there. I, I, I know everyone keeps saying, I, I know everyone keeps saying it's the most likely scenario. I will be mocking Zay Flowers in the first round, but seniors from Boston College with this production profile and this size and that athleticism doesn't typically go round one. So yeah. I'm, I, I think in this draft, it's a bad draft. I think that he will go round one, but um, yeah. I like Jordan Addison to the Seahawks a little. You bit. know, I would say if a model says Jalen Hyatt should go in first round over Zay Flowers, it might need to reconsider. All right, we'll um, see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just joking with you. Um, Daigle, uh, what has Nick Underhill said about the New Orleans Saints? Knowing that they are RAS individuals, high athletic profiles, what they look for, it sounds as if they are dwindled down to Will McDonald or Brian Brzee, and it's those two picks. And honestly, I think they're going to have their pick of the litter. And so right now I lean McDonald, but I could be convinced either way. I think that this is the worst depth that they've had on the defensive line in mm -hmm. probably two decades. And I think that that's the pick that's going to be here. Will McDonald is much smaller. Same thing with Kalijah Kansi. These are the type of guys that are in this range. They're much smaller than the profiles that they typically go. A name that I'll throw out there, Miles Murphy, if he falls this far at edge rusher, okay. hits that edge uh, profile that they like. Um, and I think that's where they would go. Brian Brisset, definitely. And Mozzie Smith, definitely kind of fit that and I, uh, I think like a long shot would be like felix and duque uzoma he is an early declare power five guy big and athletic i'm kind of curious why uh felix never gets mocked in round one he's dj's 32nd overall player power five edge rusher athletic big productive i mm. typically those guys go around one so those are gonna be kind of the names i'm floating down the chiefs and the saints in this range kind of edge rushers for me over under four and a half quarterbacks is not even money, but it's close. Daigle, do you expect five quarterbacks to go in round one? When I we do. can't even find a spot for the fourth right now. <laughs> well, I, I don't know where to put the fifth either, but I feel like I need to squeeze them in somewhere and just make up a line. So I'll fit them into 12 to the Texans, Hooker, that is, or to the Ravens, thinking that's where they trade back from. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's I think Hooker goes night one. Did you That's say to the Ravens? Right but they're going to trade from that spot. I just think mock trades are for beta, so I don't put trades in my mocks. Oh, got it. Well, I I am a beta confirmed. I Right now in my <laughs> mock, I have uh, the Texans trading back into the first round to get Hendon Hooker after sure. going after the, the non-quarterback. The three-person podium. Round. Yeah, so that that's kind of my thing. Daigle makes a good point. There's a lot of teams in this range, though, that – can trade down the ravens don't have a lot of draft picks they can trade down for 22 the vikings we talk, already talked about um i think that the there's a chance that the eagles do at 30th overall so there's a lot of teams kind of visiting Hendon hooker i think he had maybe the most visits of any player in the draft obviously that's medical related but i also think there's like legit interest um so go read some of these reports you see like peter schrager and there's somebody else i think maybe is peter king both mocked Hendon hooker in like the top 12 i think i think that's probably too Tandem early bomb yeah, but I think multiple of them have them. Uh, they've committed to Hooker and the Texans. So, mm. and, and and Hooker, Levis, Richardson, these guys we believe will fall or have a chance to fall. I can't imagine it gets to the Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis point because those were two entirely different players compared to the big five of this class. Entirely different. I don't think Richardson falls. So I just want to quickly okay. say that. Um, yeah. So, the triple podium, I think, is something that would allow 
hopefully Casario and D'Amico Ryans to ease the concerns that Texans fans would have to bypass quarterback at two and at 12. Will Anderson, Bijan Robinson to put butts in seats, and then Hendon Hooker is your quarterback. There you go. Problem solved. Everybody wins. Nobody wins. Um, One last dot connecting. Hayden, you put this in our Slack with the Pittsburgh Steelers of, I believe, Mike Tomlin's son being in the same (laughs) recruiting class as Deontay Banks at Maryland. Look, these things matter. I will say, I think it was something in the last decade, Mike Tomlin and or the acting GM at the time have visited the campus of every single one of their first round picks. And I don't believe they visited Darnell Wright, if I'm correct in that. Interesting. Yeah. I think there's a chance Darnell Wright can like fall like the Jaguars at 24, something like that. We'll see. I think he has a wide range of outcomes. The Steelers definitely based off of historical needs, also trying to build around Kenny Pickett, who's definitely going to be a, some of his parts quarterback. I definitely kind of like that call that we talked about earlier, where the Steelers could trade up a couple spots and get one of the offensive tackles. Broderick Jones would make some sense. Paris Johnson, if he's still around, would be the top ones. And then I think that's where the Anton Harrison party starts. Josh, most surprising name or names that fall out of the first round? Kalaja Kansi. Okay. Kansi, I have pegged to the Bengals because they're like minus 350 right now. I know. Drafted in the first round. I know. Yeah. I, by the way, those odds don't like, we shouldn't be expecting players to go because those are one way markets where you can Correct. only bet into. I wish I could bet the opposite. Of, right. <laughs> so, the, like, him being 350 is meaningless. You can't Correct. bet the other side of it. So, like, we shouldn't put that much stock. Kalaja Kansi is one of these players I can see go. 18th overall to the Lions or drop a completely out. I have him right now, the Bengals, which is like after where he's like projected to go because Geno Atkins was small. They have a need there. Joe Goodberry put them there, but I think that uh, he can slide. Quinton Johnson, I think definitely could fl- slide out. I think Zay Flowers could slide out. Uh, there's some always going to be a medical or, or two on there, but I think that Cansey would be a pretty good call. All right. Can we leave with a bold prediction? Do Just it. around the horn. I'll let you guys think about yours for a moment. Uh, other than my, if Will Anderson is on the board at three, the Eagles trade up for him, which is very bold. Um, my other bold prediction is that the Denver Broncos package picks 67 and 68 to get to a middle second round pick on day two, whether it be New England, Tampa Bay, Miami, something like that, right? And go and get an explosive playmaker whether that be Jameer Gibbs or whether that be Quentin Johnston. That's my bold prediction. I like it there. I, I have no idea what the Broncos are going to do, but I, I can definitely see that. Um, Taylor, do you have a, a good bold prediction yet? Not a day two bold prediction. No, it can be uh, a day one bold prediction. It can be anything. Because I, I do believe Jameer Gibbs goes in the first round. Now where I'm going to fit him, back in the first round, and I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm sort that of Eagles going to send Bijan to the Eagles at 10 and then Jameer Gibbs to the Eagles at 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to do that with Will Anderson and Lucas Van Ness for the Texans. It just wouldn't make much sense. Um, guy, you go first, Hayden. I'll throw out a couple. Um, Will Levis pass, falling past four apparently is bold. It's so not I'm bold. Get- all right, I'll, he goes outside the top 10. There's bold for you. Um, I'll throw out Felix Nduke Uzoma as a surprise first-round pick that nobody's talking about. He should be uh, at least in the mix there. Um, I think Hendon Hooker goes round one, I would guess, um, and I can see the Texans being one of the fits there and possibly in that three-person uh, picture. They can sell the fans with Bijan, and then they get Hendon Hooker to make uh, ownership happy as well. I believe Matthew Bergeron... 
Jameer Ooh. Gibbs and Hendon Hooker are taken on Thursday. And I think there's a chance. He falls out. He doesn't fall out. So don't yell when I say this name. But I think there's a chance Peter Skaronsky doesn't go until after 16. Wow. Guards, I mean, p- positions of not relative value can slide a little bit. I think that Peter Skronsky is so well-liked that that would be pretty surprising. Um, I think it's considered yeah, a high-floor player, as you mentioned. Yeah, just a safe pick. The, the I got, Patriots were totally fine with Isaiah Wynn playing left tackle when he had shorter arms coming out of Georgia, so I could see Skronsky being a, a plug-and-play player for them. And if not, it doesn't work out there, then you move him inside like Joe Tooney. But um last notes i had joey porter jr is somebody that could slide a little bit there's been some rumors of that he's kind of got a hit and miss profile he's kind of been carried because his dad was obviously in the league um so i can see him sliding a little bit uh i actually like emmanuel forbes to go ahead of joey porter shout out to josh for that one mm-hmm. um oh, yeah Deont- i mean yeah lock it lucas van ness i think kind of has a wider range of outcomes he's kind of been pegged to the top 12 i think that he's p- p- uh, potentially somebody that can slide just based off of his kind of odd production profile and then going back darnell Wright, some of the character concerns that there's a chance that he slides a little bit as well bold prediction adi adi gets drafted ahead of jalen hyatt that's that, that this is a uh, quite the race i think it's gonna be pretty tight hmm. daigle where do you side Seems like you seem to know something. So no, I guess that's not no, with no, you. No, no, I, I just don't think people really like Jalen Hyatt. You don't think the Ravens take a receiver after the Odell Beckham contract, right? He, that that was something I wanted to bring up. It wouldn't shock it's me if the they continued, it would continue to invest in that spot, but they have such a need at corner, you know, such a need. And I also wanted to mention the need at corner for the Giants. Like we yes. thought last year yes. with Wink Martindale that they would just bypass Kayvon Thibodeau if Sauce was there. And obviously Sauce was, wasn't. Yep. Um, and they haven't really done anything to yep. uh, change that in the last year. Wink and how he plays defense really needs corners in isolation. Although I think Jordan Renan has Brian Brzee higher than any quarterback to the Giants. I think there's a chance Brian Brzee is not going as high as people off. think. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't have it. I, he's kind of he's got a, he's got an interesting backstory and production profile and all that stuff and defensive tackles like very hit and miss as well so i'm not sure then the fact that he's like right next to Kalijah Kansi and mozzie smith as well like you can have the team need of defensive tackle and just pick the wrong one as well i i'll also say nolan smith and Bijan robinson eight and ten i don't know which teams no idea but eight and ten those are my picks all right <laughs> uh final final thoughts it stands out to me every single time that at the end of talking about the Buffalo Bills, Daniel Jeremiah says, watch out for Jack Campbell. Um, it makes maybe, sense. Maybe that is their fallback option if Love it. they can't swing for the fences and connect. You know, yeah. like he's the four or four on that list. Um, final thought, Daigle, who is more likely to pick in their spot? The Philadelphia Eagles at 30 or the Kansas City Chiefs at 31? Chiefs. Chiefs actually have some holes to fill. So I think they stay put no matter what. Yeah, they also need Ed Rushers and the Will McDonald's and the Miles Murphy types and Felix and Duke Uzoma's wide receivers there. There's a offensive tackle. There's a chance that one of them's there too. So I think that they can say, oh, I got um bold predictions in the chat, by the way. Leave them right now. I'll pull up a few at the end. Oh, I forgot when I had a great bold one, but I forgot it. Hayden. Hayden. I'll, think of it. I'll put it in the chat or I'll put it in the comments later. Here's one from <laughs> Eric. Chiefs trade up for Jameer Gibbs. I don't even know if they have to trade up. They could probably grab him at the end. 
Gibbs and and uh, and the Chiefs are the the team I keep seeing sprinkled in. That would be interesting. That's to me, but maybe. So they're not our haunted buddy, by the ghost of Ceh. Our buddy Scampers Hendon Hooker goes before Will Levis. Something like this is going to happen. Always happens. Um, oh, here's here here. The Bills, the big move that they can do, they can get up and get JSN. They need a slot receiver. A big power move like that, go go trade it for JSN. That was going to be like the bold prediction. Alec Oval, Keon White to New Orleans. Keon White is a name that is popular in round one because he's invited to the first round of the draft. Keon White, if you go and watch him, he's basically like all athlete. He's also older, yes. but he like has no refinement to his game. He just like runs straight at your face and hopes to plow through you. Um that's not, but his size is more saintsy than like Will McDonald has been. Let's put it that way. As long as Bill's big move isn't Brian Allen getting COVID, it'll be fine. I'm prepared <laughs> for it. Ooh, here's some. Hayden got the Nolan joke. Smith, fifth or sixth overall. Nolan Smith is one of those players that uh, one day I am locked into with like the Atlanta Falcons at pick number eight. And then I'm like, actually, he's going to be a Patriot at 14. Uh, I go back mm-hmm. and forth. Jalen Carter's pick swap with the Falcons, and then they get Nolan Smith. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How dare you forget about Khalil Shakur, who's about to have a great second season. Hayden? I will not be falling for the Isaiah McKenzie's any longer. Get a real wide receiver three, Bills. <laughs> wow. The summer of Isaiah McKenzie is, uh, is no longer. All right. I think that's going to do it. This has been fun. Less than an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, basically, all 31 teams discussed. And I can't wait to crumple up this piece of paper and throw it over my shoulder and change my entire mock draft in the next uh, 24 hours. Right? Tomorrow morning, less than 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows every, anything. Remember, every that. time you turn around, it's crazy. All of you watching right now, you better freaking be subscribed to the channel, you losers. Okay. Go and hit that subscribe button, the notification bell. Go and check out three prospect profiles we have. I would throw out Jonathan Mingo. I would suggest Tajay Spears was a fun conversation. And Anthony Richardson, I think, was an enlightening conversation, too. So maybe go and check out those three. And heck, Michael Mayer, because he's not the type of prospect that I think is often publicized out there. And uh, again, we will have a live stream of round one. Me, Hayden, Trill Weathers, Coley Mick on this very channel with maybe a couple special guests sprinkled in. Uh, It's a fun collaboration of two different audiences and I cannot wait for the electricity for uh, when Hayden uh, points at the left field wall and says, I'm going to break the mock draft record. He said it. He said it. He told me not this year, next year. I will beat you though. Like I did last year. Wow. Daigle, what's your plan for the rest of the week? 10 thoughts on the NFL draft pinned on my Twitter right now at not Daigle, which is basically my streamlined journal because I stood on this thing over the weekend and thought I have to get these thoughts out. I'm so interested in this draft. Uh, It's the most fun and volatile one I remember covering in the last decade, probably. So very excited for the chaos. And then my fantasy blurbs for literally every pick, every pick on night one pre-written already. They'll be for free on the site four for com for everyone. Yeah, it's the most unpredictable draft until the next one, basically, is what I learned every single year. But hey, we remember what happened the last time a draft was. Sunglasses on Kayvon Thibodeau's face were falling. I am at this so time. ready to get 17 of these picks correct. I am so ready for it. Just calm down. I I mean, am so you, ready. you are due for regression again, so maybe so. Up the villa, fifth place right now in the Premier League, Caden. What?
We'll see you next time. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate you checking out the channel, checking us out for the first time. We've got a lot of goodness. So click the link down below and check it all out. See you next time.